Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I have in the studio with me life coach Tracy Hancock. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, thank you. Now, before we get into it, I want to know how how you became a life coach. What was the journey that you went through to get there? Wow. wow. Okay. Oh yeah. my god. Because I'm always interested in these stories. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. sure you didn't just wake up one day and be like. I want to be a life coach. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm going to give you the short version because, seriously, it goes back to when I was in primary school. Okay. I used to, like, look after the kids in school. Yep. And I was always making sure they were okay. If they had some issues, what can we do to help? Make sure they got some good support. It was incredible. So I always knew I wanted to work with people. Yep. But, you know, the advice I kept get- getting was, um, so you need to be a teacher or a nurse or a secretary because you like to look after people. And I was like, oh. um, no. <laughs> so I didn't actually have a word for it. Okay. So I went in and did a, a management degree and got a corporate career. Right. Still not being able to put a label on it because coaching wasn't that big when I was starting out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but what I noticed like through my career was I was always helping people, always looking for the possibility and the potential in them and going, right, how can we help this person grow? Mm. What's going on? Why are they so stressed? What's what's it? What's out of alignment here? And then I finally figured it out. The word that I'd been looking for was, I want to be a coach. Right. So it took me about 30 years. 30 years? <laughs> yeah, to get but what there. Was, was there a, a revelation that you got? Was there a specific moment that you thought, okay, I need to do this? Well, there were a couple of moments. So I was talking with someone and they went, man, you're always helping people. How come you don't make that your job? Instead of like, I was in a, um, a GM at the time sitting on an executive team. They said, why don't you make it your job instead of doing this other stuff? And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so profound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I do need to do something about that. Mm. So that was the first moment. The second moment that was really quite pivotal was, oh, there was one other. I'll come back to that. This other moment was I was actually made redundant from my um, GM position. And I went, hmm, mm. it's time. It's mm. time to back myself, go out, create my coaching practice and actually commit to this instead of incorporating it in my jobs that I was holding in the corporate world. This is your calling. Go and do it. Do you think you would have done it, though, if you weren't? Um, if you weren't made mm. redundant? Yeah, it's an interesting question, eh? Like, would I have done it? Because sometimes I think in these situations is you you need to be pushed out. Yeah, I, th- I think I was heading that way. Did it help? Well, at that point in time, it definitely helped. Yeah. How would it have played out? I don't actually know, but I was heading down that path. Right. Yeah, so it is okay. interesting. Mm. So when we talk about life coaches, because some people don't actually know what a life coach is. Sure. You know, and I think people think it's kind of like a counselor, mm-hmm. which it isn't. Mm. So do you want to just explain to the audience what a life coach actually is? Yeah, sure. And look, I'm going to give you my view on what a life coach is because you talk to another life coach and they're going to give you another view. Yeah, yeah. So a life coach, in my perspective, is someone who works with you to get the best out of you, mm-hmm. to get you stepping into like your potential. Right. Um, so a life coach doesn't give you answers. Um, a life coach won't, in my view, you know, have all the answers to all your questions and tell you, right, this is exactly what you need to do. What we're looking to do is understand who you are as a person, where you're feeling stuck, what you want to be achieving, how you want to change, and helping you do that through a whole variety of tools. So a life coach for me, it's like I'm your person in your corner. 
Okay. Yep. I'm here for you. I cheer you on. I challenge the heck out of you because you've told me what you want to do, what you want to change. And um, I will help you do that through, as I said, a whole range of tools. My specialty is mindset. So we'll do a lot of work on mindset, but we'll also look at the whole person as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if someone comes to you and says, oh, I want to, I want to move up within my job, for example, mm -hmm. like what would be, what would be the tools or the methods you'd use mm -hmm. and how much time do you think it would take for you mm -hmm. to really get to into that person and find out what it is that they need to do? Yeah. So, you know, if someone came in asking that question or, or making that statement, the first thing I'd want to do is just check why that was important to them. Right. Were they being driven by the need to do it because they thought they should mm. or did they genuinely want to do it? Because if they're doing it because they think they should, well, that's a whole different ballgame because we need to untangle what's going on there because actually moving up in that particular situation might not be the best thing for that person. Mm. So we want to get to the, you know, that, that first step is, is that in alignment with you? Mm. Is that what you actually want? It is? Cool. Then we'll map, a, map out a path. And so we always follow the same process. Where are you now? So we look at... Uh, skills, mindset, you know, anything that's relevant to the to where they are now. Mm -hmm. And then we go, right, if you want to get to here and this is what here looks like, what what's that path? What are we going to have to do? So for some people, there's some skill development. Right. So some of that skill development might be mindset. So yeah. I can work with them on their mindset. But other skills might require them working or going uh, working with another coach or working towards qualification or something else. So we map out a roadmap to get them on that journey. Uh, how long does that take though? Well, so that's going to depend on the situation. So if yep. they've just started at the front line um, and they want to get into a senior management position, that's, that could be quite the journey. But, you know, other people might be going, I'm in a GM role um, or I'm in a senior manager's role now. There's a GM opportunity coming up in three months. So we'll go, right, we've got three months. What can we do? And it's really incredible. And when someone's committed and it's a right choice for them, the change can happen very quickly. Right. Some of it will be subtle mindset tweaks. So, you know, what I think a lot of people underestimate is the language that they're using. So if I have, you know, I often work with senior managers who are looking to that next step up and they go, I, I don't think I can do it. I can't do it. I'm not that person. So we work on that dialogue because if you're saying I can't do it, well, you're right, you can't, because you've already told yourself you can't, and you're going to look for ways to sabotage that. Mm. So we're looking for, it, it's so personalised. So you, you'll work with some coaches who'll say, you know, just, you need to sign up for, excuse me, a six-month package, and we'll get you sorted in six months. Whereas the way I work is we'll do an initial kind of get-together and go, where are you at? What are you needing to do? Where are you wanting to go? What's that going to look like for you? Mm. Yeah. So if, if you're going, Chase, I need to get this sorted in three months, we'll go, well, let's see what we can do in three months. No promises, but you're committed. I'll, I'll commit. We'll do our best. Yeah. So, ah. so personalized. So, so how personalized. often how often do you spend with your clients? Um, so this, this will depend. Like I've got um, business owners or senior leaders who I just meet with once a month. Right. I'm kind of like their sounding board, their, their person that they can download to and then we go right now let's figure out the next steps let's you let's get you moving forward mm. other people um 
I work with some people who are maybe quite depressed or anxious, maybe um, thinking about suicide. So then I might be in contact with them every day. Not necessarily for full sessions every day, yeah. but we're interacting every day. We might be doing some reflections, some how you're going, what are you noticing, what are your actions today. So it entirely depends on the person. I I just can't buy into a stock standard approach of you need to fit this mould of I'll see you every fortnight or every month because mm. we're not all the same. So that's how I've des- designed my coaching practice. Yeah. Is it more? Is it more listening than kind of? being like, hey, you need to do this or do that? Like, How much of it is yeah. telling them what to do and how much of it is listening? Mm. Oh, that is such a beautiful question because many of us will go through life actually never really being heard. Cause yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, when we speak, people are sitting there, okay, right, are they finished yet? Because I've got my response ready. Yeah, they're like, waiting for their chance to talk. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to give you a solution. They're going to give you a fix. And you're like oh my God, I just want to say my thing. I just want to feel heard. So for me, that's the first thing that I do is just provide a space where people actually feel heard. It's actually a very, very um, good talent to have to be able Mm. to just listen Mm -hmm. to someone and take it all in and not be in a position where you're just waiting for your turn to talk. Mm -hmm. Because if you're waiting for your turn to talk, then you're not really listening, are you? That's it, exactly. And so we want to be as present as possible Yeah. to go, okay. Um, so what we know about the, the brain is if, if your brain doesn't feel that you're safe, it won't let go, it won't kind of open up. So, right. if, so if you're working with a coach and they're just, or anybody, if you're talking to anybody and they're just jumping in all the time, your brain's going to be going, oh, Jesus, it's not safe. Mm. I, I can't open up here. Mm. And so many people, when they first work with a coach, will go, wow, I've just, I've been heard. And that in itself can create huge transformation for some people. Can you get some people that come see you, though, that have difficulties conveying how they feel Mm -hmm. or what they want? They don't actually know exactly Mm -hmm. or don't know how to put it across in words Mm -hmm. when you're talking yeah yeah Yeah. so is it difficult i mean i know some of the people that i have on this podcast that Mm -hmm. trying to get them to just talk can be quite difficult yeah again it comes back to the safety thing so when we feel like we're being heard we feel safer and we're more likely to speak so if somebody comes along and they're going i don't know and i can't express myself emotions are a really good example so we've got emotions and feelings and people often struggle to talk about them because they think they've got to use like technically correct language. So mm-hmm. instead I'll say, just tell me where you feel that. What does that feel like? Is it like a like a lump in your stomach somewhere? Or do you feel like you've got like I don't know, tingling in your arms or something? Just describe what's going on. Don't worry about the language. Don't put the labels on it. Just tell me the sensations. Mm. So that will work for some people and it won't work for others. So I'm constantly looking for cues and I'm listening to the language they are using to tap into how I'm going to get them to open up. So I'm like meeting them where they're at and going, wow, they're they're really closed in. So I won't come in all open and big conversation, I'll start off really quiet. Like I'll meet them where they are, figure out where um, this sort of safe place will be 
and yeah. then they'll start to open because I've met them where they are rather than forcing them to talk in a way they're not used to. Because mm. I also feel in this day and age with, you know, everything is so digitalized, mm. you know, we're always on our phones mm. or a computer or some type of screen. And a lot of communication these days is done through those mediums. So I wonder if you're going to have a bunch of people that are struggle to have a dialogue in person. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, is that something that you've noticed? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd imagine with young people particularly. Yeah, and, and it's, um, it's interesting because I use technology, obviously, with um, coaching. So I coach online. Yeah, yeah, yeah Zoom videos and stuff. And it's interesting how technology can enable us or cause these issues. Yeah, double-edged sword. Double-edged right? sword, yeah, definitely. Um, so again, we just figure out where the person's at and we start where they are and I and I get them to move. They often won't realise, but what we're doing through the conversation is they're starting to move and open up. But you're right, um, with the technology, a lot of text messaging, um, yeah. abbreviated stuff, or is it like um, social media appropriate? It's just like, okay, we've got to get honest. If you want to create change in your life, you have to be honest. And that's where, as a coach, I'm not there to be your best friend so if I feel like you're holding back and you're, um, I don't know, you're not being honest, I'm really going to challenge you on that because it's like if you if you want to change, I can't do it so, for you. So when you say challenge someone, yeah. like what can you get into specific of how you would challenge them? Would yeah. you be, I mean, you wouldn't be up in their face being like, you know, like um, what is it those those military no, sergeants, no. you know? <laughs> no. All right, Maggie. <laughs> Uh, Give me I, twenty. Yeah, I'm told that I have a look, <laughs> so I get a look. I a look is it what like a stern? <laughs> it's like mm. a frown. Yeah, so I have a look, and you know we'll also have some silence because a lot of people are really uncomfortable with silence. So if someone says something, yeah. and I can tell that they're just playing on the edges, I'm like, mm -hmm. and we just sit there, and I just look. And it signals, hang on a minute, something's not right here, and I'm not going to just take that from you. Again, it's person-specific. So you're right, I won't be in their face, yeah. but there are other ways to do it. Tone, the silences, the look, or a question or a comment. Um, because, again, depending on when the person's at, I just I want to be, I want to be kind but challenging. Mm. Because we, if we want to grow and change we're going to need to stretch and it's going to be uncomfortable. And what I want people to realise is that being uncomfortable isn't a bad thing. No, but some people think it is. Yeah. And I suppose there's also a hard line with being challenging mm -hmm. and um, straightforward without them, you know, because you can get some people who are very sensitive mm -hmm. and any type of criticism, they're like, <gasps> you know, mm. um, and, they, and it can... And it can um, do more harm than good in some instances. Mm -hmm. So how do you know how to play that card? Yeah. And, and where the line is? Because the line would be different depending mm -hmm. on each person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess a bit like you, you've got different guests coming on and they're going to be different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The totally. The totally. topics, how they talk, yeah. what they do. Um, and it's the same when I'm working with someone. So I will have got to know them. And so rapport building... Mm. to make sure that they feel safe. They know that when I'm challenging them, I'm doing it from a place of love. I'm not doing it from a place of judgment or criticism. 
I'm doing it because they've come to me and said, I want help, I want to change. So I absolutely make sure we've got that foundation right. set. Do I have times when people, you know, they they might swear at me or give me the look or, or get upset? Oh, really? Yeah, 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 because they go, oh, you've just pushed all my buttons. And I go, well, you said you wanted to grow in the space. Um, we got to go there. We've got to explore that. Mm. Um, and they appreciate it because then they go, oh, my God, I'm so glad we did that. But I would make sure that I had created the relationship so that they knew that I was, if I was challenging them, it was from that place of love. It's never from judgment or criticism because I'm not you and I have got no right to judge you. I have not walked in your shoes. I have not lived your life. I've not had your experiences. Mm. And, you know, if I had had the exact same life as you, would I be doing, thinking, saying the same things as you are? Quite possibly, Yes. So no judgment, no criticism. We create the safe space where people feel both held, supported, um, and challenged. Because mm. mm. there's a fight and flight mode, you know, when yeah. people are triggered, mm -hmm. right? So they, and you make a valid point in regards to people have different lives and different mm. experiences, and therefore their opinions will be shaped based on that. And this is something that I think that we all lose track of, you know, because people can get into heated debates. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see them all the time on social media. I'm probably guilty as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people could be like, how can, can this person think this way or think this mm -hmm. um, or think this or look at things in this way? And it's like, well, you know, their their conditioning is is different. They, they grew up in a different place. It may be a different suburb, different country different um, style of parenting and that's that kind of creates a um, an interesting way of looking at things and that's why I think it's so good to meet a lot of different people because mm -hmm. you very quickly realize how ignorant you are well how your view of the world has been shaped as you said by the way you've grown up and well, your experiences. It can be very narrow yeah. yeah well because that's that's your view of the world yeah. and so is it narrow well, we could start to put some labels on it, but actually it's just your view. It's mm. just your view based on your upbringing. And if you are open and curious and um, willing to listen to others without feeling the need to defend or attack, you can actually learn some stuff. Well, that's a hard part, isn't it? Because people naturally, they get defensive if... If their ideology is challenged, mm -hmm. for example, even if that's not the intent, mm -hmm. um, or you know, you say things in one way, and it's taken in a completely different context. Mm. Um, I mean, some of this stuff could be applied to a relationship. Uh, absolutely, everything, everything in your life, this could apply to. Because yeah. if you th if you keep in mind, so. The theory is no child comes out of childhood without some wounding, without mm. something that's happened in their childhood that's really shaped them. So you get on top of that, all your experiences, how you were brought up, you know, your, your religion, your community, whatever, you take all of that into account, plus any wounding that you're carrying. If you're having mm. a conversation and you get triggered, you are straight into defense or attack. But the moment you start to realize hey, I've been triggered, I'm just going to pause and breathe for a minute. Mm. You're, you're telling your brain, hang on, we can just calm down a sec. Because the moment you go into that flight or fight, I, I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but you lose a significant proportion of your IQ and you are simply looking to survive. 
Yeah, 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 that's totally right. And so you're just like, then you're just going at each other and, you, and it actually doesn't help. So the moment you can realise, actually, I wonder what, if I could understand that person's perspective some more. Yeah. I wonder what I could learn if I just, if I asked some questions, if if I just explored that some more instead of jumping straight to the, um, I'm not sure I can say what's in my head, I'm not sure that that's, um, media appropriate, but um, oh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Great, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Trust Fantastic. me. Um, but you know, we dive straight into the attacking me, so I've therefore got the right to attack back and defend myself. And yeah. it gets really nasty. Instead of going, actually, hey, can you tell me a bit more about that? I'm really curious. Mm. And that's that's part of the beauty, I think, of our own evolution when we start to realise that there's fundamentally nothing wrong with any of us. You know, we're not broken. We, we, we have different opinions. We all matter. No one's yeah. better or worse than anyone. Um, we are who we are. Our lives have shaped us. And when we come to a conversation going, I'm okay, I'm okay, and I matter, yeah. we're not going to get triggered as much. So I would be classic at that. Like, you know, back in my you know early part of my uh, life, I never felt good enough. So, and I, I did quite good in school and I was quite successful, I had a good career, but I never felt good enough. So if someone said anything, I'd go, geez, oh, I've seen that I'm not good enough and I've got to defend myself and attack them and put them down and stuff. And right. I'd be like, that's not helpful. Yeah. They haven't attacked me. It was just that I felt vulnerable around that. So the moment I healed the wound and went, actually, I'm okay. I'm not going to be everybody's person. And that's fine. So how do you heal the wound, though? Well, this is where that honesty comes in. Like, we've got to look at what triggers us. So, you know, and anyone can do this. Like, if, if you, you know, you listen to this podcast and then you go about your day and you notice that you start to get wound up, you maybe you're talking to somebody or you're doing something and you start to get wound up, if you can consciously go, hang on a minute, I'm just going to take a step back and be like a detective and go, what's just gone on there? Mm. What? Literally, what just happened there? And when we can do that and step back and go, okay, there are a few words that got said by that person that really, man, they stung deep. Yeah. Go, okay, yeah. so have I heard those words before? What do I associate those words with? Because here's the thing, nothing has meaning. Nothing has a meaning except the meaning we give it. Yeah. So somebody says something quite innocently, classic would be, let me say to you, you're looking really nice today. Now, you could take that as a compliment or you could go, gee, she's thought I've looked ugly and, and really <laughs> yeah. awful you every know, that's, other day. That's happened to me so many times. <laughs> yeah. Like where I've made some comment to some girl just saying, oh, you look really nice today. And they're like, what are you saying? You're saying that I look ugly all the other days. I'm like, what? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to stop giving compliments. Oh, and that is such a shame that we don't feel that it's okay to give a compliment. So, you know, if so, if we take that example further, if you found yourself reacting like, oh gosh, she thinks I was ugly every other day. Okay, where's that story coming from? Mm. What's, where did that happen? Because that will be a pattern that you've been repeating a thought pattern, um, some actions that you've been repeating probably since you were a child. Mm. So, you know, maybe when you were five, someone said to you, oh, you look really ugly. You're really unattractive. Your mother dresses you funny or something. And, you know, you've carried that with you. And as an adult, we're basically just big kids. We're just big kids. And so we carry yeah, that wounding yeah. until we um, t until we 
you know, heal. So as I said, you can become consciously aware of when you start to feel a bit icky or defensive or you just go, huh, I feel like I want to attack that person. Not necessarily physically, but I want to, you know, verbally respond. Just go, hang on a minute, what's going on? Where did Mm. that come from? And so the self-inquiry is quite useful and just becoming consciously aware. So most people will go through life not really being consciously aware. Mm. You know, we, we will know a little bit. It's like the iceberg scenario. You see the kind of the top, but there's this whole mass of stuff happening that we're not even aware of. We have sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day, and yet we're probably aware of like a fraction of them. Mm. 80 to 90% of those thoughts you will have thought repeatedly for months, years, decades, and yet we don't know what they are. So that's why when we feel triggered, if we can become aware of what's going on, we're going to become more conscious of what our pattern is, of what we're thinking. And we go, oh, do I want to keep doing that? Or do I just want to go, hey, Reese, thanks for the compliment? Yeah. So how do you do it? How do you check yourself when you are in that position? Because obviously as a life coach, you're probably more aware mm-hmm. than than the average Joe. So. Mm-hmm. How do you make yourself aware when you yourself are maybe triggered, mm-hmm. you know, or something affects you? How do you how do you be like, well, no, no. <laughs> yeah, let me <laughs> or, do you, or do you need a life coach or someone <laughs> to tell you that stuff? <laughs> well, I do have my own coaches. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, because I see the benefit in them. And I'm human. And I think mm. this is what people need to remember. And um, you know, I hear this a lot from people. They go, oh, you're a coach. You must have everything together. I'm like, dude, you've not seen me on a bad day, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think people, um, they put the coaches and sometimes on a pedestal and think that these perfect people yeah. that don't have anything go wrong. But, yeah. But, you know, we're human. Yeah. You know, in the last six years, I've been through redundancy, a cancer, um, cancer diagnosis and treatment, separation, and, you know, a whole heap of stuff. I'm human. Mm. I'm going to ride those emotions and those big events. But what I do have is a really cool bag of tools that helps me navigate my way through them. So you, going back to your question... It's exactly what I shared. If I find myself wanting to attack someone or feeling defensive or feeling just really out of sorts, then I just check myself and go, hang on, Chase, step back. And I will literally talk to myself. I'll just go, hey, step back. How long does it take you to check yourself, though? Is it Um, immediate or do you have to give yourself like 24 hours or... (laughs) I can do it quite quickly most times. Well, that's um, really good. Yeah, 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 but it's it's a practice. Yeah. And so if people are going, oh, it's all good, it's all good for her. She's a coach and and stuff. It's like everything's a practice. Like every time you've had someone on a podcast, you'll just you know get sharper with what you do. You know, yeah. it's just it's natural. The more we do something, the, the more the, you get better at it. Exactly. Yeah. And so for me, it's a practice. I keep getting better. So I just at the start of the year, I'm training for a big event next month. And um, I noticed I started to give myself a hard time about being fat and unfit. I was like, Oh my God. Oh, don't worry. You're all good. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like logically, I'm going, What the? F-? You know? And you just go, Okay, chick, you need to step back. So in that case, I talked to my trainer. I said, hey, this is what's coming up for me, and I'm not sure what's going on because I'm out there doing the program. I'm not slacking off. And, you know, we talked about it, and he goes, well, we've changed the this, the type of program you've got because you've entered a new phase of your training, so you're going to feel uh. different. And I was like, huh, interesting. 
So we'd gone from some speed work to some longer, nastier hill climbs, which meant I was just bulking up a little bit more yeah. than what I had been doing the speed work. So by stepping back and going, dude, there's something wrong here. Why am I beating myself up? Why am I feeling like this? I talked to my own coach and we got to the problem and went, oh, sweet, cool, moving on. Because I figure like, why would I want to keep putting all the energy into worrying about it when I could just have the conversation, get honest and resolve it, mm. move on? So, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I do. I just check myself, step back, look in. If I need to, I'll call on one of my coaches. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I'll do it myself. I'll do it through journaling. I'll talk to myself, which is really interesting if anyone happens to be walking past when I'm talking to myself, give myself a pep talk. But... um. Yeah, it's just practice. Do you end up comparing notes with your coaches, though? Or do you ever listen to your coach and be like, hmm, I'm going to apply that? To <laughs> but again, we're always learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah. We're always learning. And so what I like to do, actually, my, my um, personal trainer is a perfect example of this. I had got to the point where I, cu- I couldn't seem to drop my um, speed while I, was, while I was walking. Like, I had done some amazing work. I'd improved my times. But there seemed to be this nine-minute barrier that I couldn't get below. Right. So I said to my coach, can you pace me on a training walk? Mm. And he's like, yeah, sure. 8.45 was my time. Yeah. It was the first time I'd got below nine-minute Ks. Wow. And so by working with a coach that's that much further along in their journey, it stretches me. It yeah. gets me out of what I've become familiar with. So I'm always looking for the stretch because as we evolve, we've just got we've got all these layers and levels which are fascinating. So you think, oh yeah, I'm all sorted now, thanks. I've got this. Oh, yeah. I've got this together. And then you go, holy jeepers, where did that one come from? Because yeah. you, you face something new. Like, you know, as a business owner, um, I started to do more speaking a few years ago and I was like, oh my God, speaking. I thought Public I just, speaking. yeah, I thought well, you seem to be all good right now. Yeah, I've got there. I've had some practice, <laughs> yeah. and I got a coach. Yeah, I got a coach to help me. Um, but again, you know that when that came up, I was like, oh, you know, but I'm doing okay as a business owner. And then I'm like, oh, now I've got to do speaking. Oh, I'm a hopeless business owner. No, I'm just going to do something new. Yeah. So just go and learn that skill. Because uh, you operate the business entirely on your own. You don't yeah. have any support people. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I've got an accountant. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. And, a, and a VA who does some um, work for me uh, as well. But primarily, yeah, it's just me. Yeah. So, you know, you're always learning and growing, which is fantastic and and if I need to do something in my business that's new like I said when I started um, public speaking I went and got the best coach I could get because mm. I wanted to stretch and and boy did he stretch me I had some days where we had sessions and I can picture him um, his little face smiling at me as I stomped around the house going I can't believe you're making me do this so what's this, some of the stuff that he or she made yeah. you do um, when you had to learn more about public speaking because yeah. I'm I'm actually intrigued by this. Like, what's some of the stuff that they tell you to do? Yeah, it was um, it was so funny. So I um, I like I like to talk, and um, Mark made me do a page of my speech without speaking, and I had to use hand gestures. I had to use hand gestures. So not communicating with with ju- not verbally. No verbally, just hand just with gestures. hand gestures. And he needed to be able to work out what I was saying. It just about did my head in. And honestly, there were tears because I was so frustrated at not being able to speak and having to focus on using my Mm. hands. So what he was making me do was become more deliberate with my hands and using them to communicate. 
I was like, man, that was so cool. Like once I'd got through it and practiced, um, it was really amazing. But I tell you what, when we first started, I was like, dude, dude, seriously? But this again is a challenge. Like we'd built the relationship. I mean, I trust him. And then um, when he brought out this exercise, I was like, holy heck, but I trust you. So I'm so going to do So you think you can communicate with someone who only talks in sign language now? <laughs> I'd have to learn sign language, I think. Some of my hand gestures might not make sense. <laughs> I remember when I went to India, and obviously I can't speak the language, but I, yeah. I got frustrated not being able to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those big things that I realized – how important it is to me to be able to communicate mm. and, and losing that ability. So, like, I think because I use my hands quite a bit as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, um, what else? What else did they? Or did he? Um, what else? Did he make you project your voice or, uh, or walk around the stage or anything? Yeah. So, um, there was a projecting. That was how I walked onto the stage. It was really awesome because he, he went through like my content as well and reshaped my content. Oh, okay. It was amazing. And I think what I learned was, you know, just the delivery of what you were saying is just so important in creating that connection. And There's was, an art to it. Oh. It's not like, it's very different to say like a podcast, what we're doing right now. There's some people that I've seen um, who've come on the show, done some of those TED Talks mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. And the the way they talk on there is very different to how they talk here because they 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 approach it f- far differently because mm. you really have to try and resonate with the audience mm. and um, get their attention. Mm-hmm. So there's a, definitely an art to that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I found that's helped me the most is the more relaxed I've got about who I am and the message I'm going to share, yeah. the easier it becomes because... Mm. I can now stand on the stage and go, actually, the, the content that I prepared, it's not right. Mm. It's not. It's not. It's not right for this audience. And it's not that I haven't learnt about the audience beforehand, but it might have been the previous speakers. It might be some questions that had been coming up, and you go, actually, it would serve the audience better if I did something else. So, by example, um, it's down in Wellington speaking to a group of people diagnosed with blood cancers. Right. And so I had my content all ready to go, and I get in the room, I'm like, nah, it's just not right. It's not right. We had um, an open floor session, and I said, you know, I gave a bit of an introduction. The, the topic I was going to speak about was resilience and, you know, like how do you navigate through being diagnosed with illness? And so what we did was I said, right, I'm just going to open it up. We're going to take questions and we're going to shape this um, session based on your questions. And we can all interact, but I'll be like a conductor because we want to keep some control of this. Hmm. And it was amazing. Like the wisdom in the room was phenomenal. People who'd felt they'd never been heard before were sharing you know, some of their experiences and their tips, like that was magic. So I could have stood there and gone, here's my talk. Yeah. Which which they would have got value out of, if I do say so myself. But by going, actually what's going to serve the room? And and I've noticed that I've I've only been able to do that when I've gone, who I am is okay. Mm. I'm not here to prove myself. I only have to stand here and make you go, oh, my God, she's amazing. Let's put her on a pedestal. And, yeah. I, you know, I don't have to feed that ego. I'm going, I'm, I'm looking and, and talking with some of the people in the room going, actually, it would be much better off if we did this. And I always ask for their permission mm. to start with. I'll go, look, I've prepared something. I, I could do that. 
but I'm wondering if you might prefer this. Let me know. And if yeah. that's okay, that's what we'll go with. So I'm always really respectful of that. And this again is that, you know, the, who I am is who I am. So if I show up and stand in that truth, and, and I think the the work I did with Mark, the, my speaking coach, it was incredible because I learned so many tools that help me in that space when I'm standing on the stage or in the room or wherever. And when I combine that with my level of comfort with who I am and the messages I can share, it's like, wow, this is so cool. This is so yeah. cool. It's, it's, it's an amazing gift to be present in that room. Do you, um, like, can you think back to when you first did public speaking, though? Mm-hmm. Like, was there ever a time where you would be speaking? Mm-hmm. I've asked a few people this, but where you'd be speaking and the, you can clearly tell that some of the audience are not paying attention. They're either on their phones or they're, like, daydreaming. Mm-hmm. And does it ever affect you in any way while, mm-hmm. you, were, while you were doing it? Mm-hmm. So very early on... It would, yeah, because yeah. I'd go into my head and I'd go, they don't like me, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't be here, mm. I don't deserve to be here, I'm wasting their time. So I would make it all about me. Right. And then I'd like mm. lose the plot and I'd be going, oh my God, I just want to get off the stage. Yeah. Um, so then what I learned was actually just tune into the vibe. Like, is there something in what I'm doing that's just not resonating? Am I am I holding back? Am mm. I being a bit nervous? So I'll check in with myself and then I'll go, okay, what's going on in the room? Because, you know, sometimes people have arrived and they might be stressed. They've got a lot going on. Yeah. So what I've learned is, as I said, just check in. How am I going? Because if I'm doing a half-assed job, then I need to pick my game up. But then I'll go... What else is going on out there? Because the truth is not everyone in the audience is going to vibe with my message or with me. Yeah, that's right. And you just go, cool. And I love it. Like, I really love questions. Like, after you've spoken, you know, if there's a Q&A session or or time for questions, and I'll always get someone who says, you seem like a really nice person, but that's shit. (laughs) And I'll go, cool, cool, that's that's fine. Because if I was saying something that everybody loved, I was probably saying something that was too beige and too too broad or too general. Whereas what I speak about, people are either going to go, huh, I like that, there's something in it, or they're going to go, no, nah, not for me. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even with this podcast, right? There'll yep. be people that listen to this, mm-hmm. might listen to the full thing, yep. might listen for like 20 seconds and be like, nah, not interested. That's it? Yeah. But I'm not going to lose... Yeah, you can't I'm, resonate with everyone. No, and I'm not going to lose sleep over that because I'm like, I'll turn up, I'll do my best. Um, first time I've been in a setup like this. It's like so cool to have the chance to chat with you. Um, but, you know, not everyone's going to like it. And other people will go, that was a message that I needed. And I think as a coach, it's one of the most incredible things that I just never take for granted. I'm just, I feel so blessed that what we do and say, we'll never know the full impact of that. Mm. You know, so I, I get these messages every now and then. Um, from people who go, I don't comment on your stuff on social media, but I wanted to let you know that what you said in that video three months ago um, saved my life. I, I didn't go ahead and kill myself. I'm like, shit. Yeah. That is huge. So That makes it all worth it, doesn't it? It's it's just, it's, it blows me away every time. Um, uh, yeah, and it's usually the reason why I cry, which... It's huge. It's huge. And so, you know, for those people that go, no, nah, I don't like you, that's that's cool. 
because there's going to be someone who needed that message at that time and it might you know, save their life, they might um, rebuild a relationship, end a relationship, change a job, um, actually just look in the mirror and go, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's massive. Yeah. So if I hid, if I step back and I see this a lot from people going, I don't want to put myself out there because what if somebody doesn't like me? It's like, well, I can guarantee you someone's not going to like you. Mm. But if you don't step out there, that one person who needed to hear from you, they're going to miss out. Yeah. That's what right. a shame. I mean, even with these podcasts, you know, um, I might I get a message from someone saying, uh, particularly early on, there'll be a person, I won't say who it is, but they yeah. came on the show and then I, I got a private message saying, okay, that was by far your worst podcast. And I was like, I was like, ah, oh. and then no, no lies. A couple of hours later, I got a, another message saying that was by far your best podcast. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, man? It's just at that moment, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do my thing. If some people like it, cool. If they don't like it, cool. I mean, I can't cater yeah. to, you know, because what, as I said, what resonates with one person doesn't resonate with another. And, you know, maybe, maybe that particular subject they were just like oh, this is boring mm-hmm. and then someone else would have been like oh my gosh this is so good mm-hmm. so you just really don't know no you don't and you know it's sometimes we might hear something and then go nah not for me and then three months down the track you might go oh, i remember something from a while back and you'll go and search it out and you go perfect mm. you know sometimes it's a timing thing so I say just get out there and give it a go and back yourself because even if you've got something to say, say it. Respecting that other people have things to say as well. Yeah, and totally. what, what you're sharing is your perspective. And when we can start to understand different perspectives, that is so cool. It is very, very important to learn. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's something you never fully finish learning. You know, You can continue to learn this as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I've found since doing this podcast I've become a lot more objective in terms of how I look at things um, looking back I, I realized that some of my views I'm like eh, I was only looking at it through a very mm. narrow lens and I was I was thinking nah I need to broaden my horizons here mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's good stuff it opens up a whole new world doesn't it and you know we're no longer having to defend our position because we're going actually I'm just curious mm. so you know someone on LinkedIn the other day made a comment about it being Chinese New Year and how actually here in New Zealand despite you know the significance of China for our trade and and so on we we probably don't actually do a lot for Chinese New Year and I was just like gee actually I don't know much at all about it I know it's the year of the rat but I actually don't know much about it yeah I so, don't know much about it so instead of getting ratty oh Excuse the pun. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I know. My gosh, it was a real moment. I'll be a comedian soon. <laughs> um, so instead of getting, uh, you know, annoyed about the post or annoyed with myself, I simply replied back and I said, "Hey, that's a really good point. I'm going to commit to finding out some stuff about Chinese New Year." Yeah. So I've now put it in my diary for this week, and I'm just going to have a, have a read on Chinese New Year. Does that mean it's going to change any of like my my views or my values or anything? I don't know, but um, I'm just going to have a look. I just want to broaden my horizon. Yeah. Well, also, you don't know what you don't know, Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 You don't know until you're made aware of it. That's and it. That's... So do you ever learn something or, you know, you, someone comes to you, like mm-hmm. a client comes to you, and then you end up taking something from them? 
heck yeah. Yeah. Because we have all got something to share yeah. and learn from. Yeah. Oh, and I'm often letting my clients know what I've seen and what I've gained as well because we, we often, again, we put people up on pedestals and go, oh, that person's way up there and I'll never be like that. Yeah. And it's just like, actually, we've all got some really cool stuff going on. So, yeah, absolutely. Like I've got some um, clients who are so good at setting and achieving goals. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good, but they are really good. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And so we'll share tips and, you know, I'll work on their mindset because often that's the thing that's um, tripping them up a bit. But they might have some really good techniques going on. I'm like, that's really awesome. I think I'll, I might borrow that. Um, so, you yeah, know, really, really open with sharing that. It's There's always something to learn from everyone, yeah. everyone, no matter their age or stage of life either. Because I think sometimes we think, yeah, oh, no, they're just kids or they're old people or whatever. And it's just like so much to learn. Yeah, I find um, there's a few people I know, I won't mention who, but, um, you know, because some people, the older generation sometimes look at the younger generation and like, oh, we know more than you. Mm. And then the younger generation can get angry because, well, well, no, you don't know everything. And um, I think I've heard, I don't know if this is true, probably ask me when I'm 50 but I've I've heard the older you get the more stuck in your ways you get apparently mm. I don't know if that's true I mean I do know some people that are stuck in their ways but um but they're not just old people yeah <laughs> I know young people too <laughs> yeah well I would I would bring up a this view of you have a growth or a fixed mindset so often people mm. who are stuck in their ways they're very fixed this is my frame of reference, this is my beliefs, this is how you do things, and that's all we're ever going to do. Very black and white. Yeah, very black and white. And to some degree, it keeps them safe. Well, that's they, why they do it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Whereas if you've got a growth mindset, it doesn't matter your age because you're always looking for the growth. You're looking for the opportunity. You're exploring. You're, you're doing whatever. You're happy to change. Um, doesn't mean that change is always easy, but you're more likely to embrace change. Yeah. So, yeah, this growth versus fixed mindset. So I don't think it's necessarily an age thing. I think it's a personality thing. And for me as a coach, I go, oh, I'd love to know the backstory for that person. Do you ever want to, what is it, the Myers-Briggs thing? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever done any of those I tests? I have. Oh, look, I've done so many of those tests. Oh, really? And... Um, Oh, I can confess, I remember doing the Myers-Briggs the first time and I went home and, man, I stomped around the house and there were some serious tears because I'm like, they've put me in a box and defined me. Hey, I'm exactly like that. Well, I didn't cry about it, but like, <laughs> but I was like, nah, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't like being put in a box. Like, this is the type of person you are, yeah. da, 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 da. Because, uh, yeah, I was like, nah, nah, nah. Um, but I think once you kind of, rather than just taking it and getting angry with it, just reflect on it mm -hmm. and learn on how to improve yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. So rather than wearing the label, so I recently did, um, Gretchen Rubin has um, like four tendencies. Yeah. And this is how we respond to expectations. So I'm an obliger. So that means if someone asks me to do something, I will do it. So, you know, early in my life, I would have said I was a really good people pleaser. I just wanted people to be pleased because then they'd approve of me. I'd fit in. Oh, right. So obliger is, I guess, the new term for it. Yeah. So I do like to um, follow through on commitments, which mm. is a good thing. Yeah. I just need to make sure it's a healthy behaviour, yeah. not an unhealthy one. Um, and so I'm not going to walk around with a bliger on my forehead. 
But what I am going to do is take notice of the characteristics and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I do do that. You know, um, I, I need to watch the tendency to people please. So following through on commitments is all good. Yeah. But, but when it becomes unhealthy people pleasing, that's not so good. Right. So those profiling tests, if we move away from just the labels and understand some of the behaviours, that can be really enlightening. So we're looking for the strengths and the what get labelled as the weaknesses. Because all too often people go, oh, these are the things that are wrong with me. It's like they're not wrong with you. You just need to be aware of them. Every behaviour has a healthy and an unhealthy expression. Mm. So I follow through on commitments. If I if I allow things to run away, then I become a chronic people pleaser because I'm looking for approval. Mm. So I can follow through on commitments, healthy behaviour. Yep. People pleasing to an extreme where I put myself, um, I, don't, I don't take care of myself or I don't hold boundaries, not healthy. So those profiling tests, useful to understand those characteristics. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. So, so, and there's a heap of them, eh? Like you can, well, there's different tests for all these other different um, things as well, like the five love languages. Yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever done it. I have, I yeah, have, yeah. yeah. Um, I think my number one is words of affirmation. Yeah, nice. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's good, like say if you're in a relationship with someone and you mm -hmm. under, and you have two um, different love languages mm. in terms of, well, in terms of the structure, mm -hmm. pattern of it, yeah. you know, because you can learn, okay, this, uh, you know, you can do, like, let's say, for example, if someone prefers an act of service as mm -hmm. opposed to kind words, right? But let's say mine is, you know, words of affirmation. So you can automatically assume that the other person, ah, oh, the way I receive it is the way they want to receive it, which is not the case at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And immediately that creates tension. Yeah, and, it does. And in, in the extreme, that leads to separation. Yeah. So it's fascinating. The more we understand ourselves yeah. and therefore um, open up to understanding someone else and we're accepting of who we are, accepting of who they are, we're going to have a much better relationship. But when we're constantly judging a person through our own lens, it's it's just doomed. Mm. You're just constantly going to be in conflict because, and that's really interesting. A lot speaking of understanding yourselves, so we know that businesses have values, but so few people would actually know what their own personal values are. Mm. And when we start to understand our values, that's incredibly powerful because every single day our values are influencing what we do and say. If you're having an argument with someone, there will be a values conflict. If you're, you know, if you're due to meet someone and they're 15 minutes late, but you think it's important to always be early, you're going to have a fight. You've just so me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a difference of values. So the difference will often be the cause of the tension. But until we get to know ourselves and... And when I say know ourselves, it's not in a judgy kind of, oh, I'm horrible and, you know, that's a terrible quality or whatever. It's just like, just understand yourself. Don't label it all and go, yeah, I do like to be early and yeah. I like other people to be early because then I feel respected. Um, just acknowledging that just takes huge pressure off. Yeah. And then going, oh, wow, so that friend of mine, they've got a different view on time. They actually value once we're together the fact that we're together. But running late's not an issue for them. That is exactly me and my partner, yeah. honestly. Because, yeah, I've got this thing with being early. And um, 
sometimes she's like, why? Why do you want to be so early? Let's just like it's not it's 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 not bad if if we're late. I'm like, no. Then what's the point in having a time? <laughs> 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 so we can um, get into some interesting uh, discussions or yeah. arguments over that. So no, yeah. that's a very, very interesting thing that yeah. you pointed out. Yeah, so the more we understand ourselves, our values, our beliefs. Um, so that's not just uh, when we talk about beliefs, most people go, oh, you're talking about religion. No, I'm no. just talking about yeah. what you believe to be true. And, you know, these are statements that we've told ourselves so many times that we believe them to be true. And they shape our experience of life. So the more we understand ourselves, the more we're consciously aware of what we think and say, the more um, equipped we are to go, is it serving me? Mm. Is it actually helping me? Or is that creating more stress and drama in my life? What if I was just to go, actually, I do like to be early. Mm. That's who I am. Do you, as a life coach, Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested to get your thoughts, but... In terms of the people you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. right? Do you surround yourself with only positive people? Because you know how some people, I mean, I have some friends and they're great, but they can be very negative at times mm-hmm. and it can be very draining, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, Ugh. and then I find myself becoming negative, mm-hmm. um, not just with other people, but with myself, you know, yeah. and I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? Mm. Um because I, I, I do think it's important that you surround yourself with good people. Mm. And I'd imagine, like, because would you have some clients that maybe come in and they might be a bit negative? And I imagine if you had friends that were negative as well, mm-hmm. it would be very hard to sustain a positive energy, mm. would it not? Yes, I, this, this whole conversation around energy and people is fascinating. Um, I think our, our energy is our responsibility. And so being aware of what drags us down and what lifts us up and Mm. going, okay, what decisions do I need to make? So it's not about other people being good or bad. It's just about going, what's my response to these other things or people and and are they serving me well? So, yeah, I get some clients who are in tough spaces um, who are, you know, in real pits of despair Um, So I'm really aware of managing my energy firstly, but I'm also looking for, is there a spark? Is there something, no matter how small, are they prepared to believe that it's possible to change? So I'm not asking yeah. to become like, you know, every time I think about this, I, I get this American cheerleader squad, you know, full of energy, lots of pom-poms and stuff. I'm not necessarily asking them to become like that outrageous and look that happy. I'm just looking for, is there a spark that they want to shift? Because we all have times when we feel down. Yeah. But if our constant state is everything is wrong, nothing's right then we have to make a choice. Do I want to be around that? That there's nothing wrong with the person. They're not bad people. They've got some stuff going on. Is there a glimmer of something that tells me they'd be interested in changing? Yeah. If there's not, then I'm going, dude, I'm not repeating the same conversation every time I see you. It's not healthy. Yeah. So I'll make a call. I won't judge them. I won't judge them. I'll be like, I'm choosing to look after my energy you're not the person I want to be around or it's not the, you know, events. You know, I've belonged to networking groups and I've gone, geez, my energy's just flat every time I leave. 
it's not the right networking group for me. Mm. Um, so making choices. So negative and positive. Um, what's the other one? Realist. Um, I, I kind of like this view that we all experience emotions. So we're going to have some friends that are having a down day. Yeah. We're going to have some friends that are having an up day. But if we can kind of find this position in the middle where we go, we're likely to experience a bit of both. How am I feeling about that? Yeah. Is this person like what could be considered positive, but they're like a manic positive? Like they're just almost a fake I, out I, I can't. I can't take that, eh? Oh, it's my gosh. Like, oh, my gosh. Do it. Yeah. Man. Just, just chill. <laughs> yeah, just bring it down. <laughs> yeah. you bring it down. Yeah. You know, again, Need some morphine or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just go and hug a tree. <laughs> just go and stand on the grass. So, you know, you're just looking for the effects of people in situations on your own energy and going, well, you know, is it a person that I care about and I'll just see every now and then? Mm. Is it somebody, actually, I just don't want them in their, in my life anymore? Is there a glimmer of hope where I'm going to have a conversation to say, hey, dude, when I'm around you, this is how I feel. So it's not about them. When I am around you, this is how I feel. Right. But how would you tell them that without them getting offended, though? So just in that language. And, you, and even by saying, when I'm around you, this is how I feel, they're probably still going to get upset. And yeah. It's like, dude, love you, respect you want to be around you but this is how I feel and I find it really hard and I want to let you know because uh, I want to check in how are you doing okay so I think we start to label I'm so wary of labels we start to label the conversation we go oh we're going to need a courageous conversation dude you just need to front up and have the conversation don't label it and build it up in your head to be something huge if this is a person that you love and care for they've been a friend for a while and you want to you know, you want to keep them around, but you want them to be aware of how you're feeling. Yeah. Then have the conversation. Do you get that a lot, though? Because there's, um, you know, New Zealand culture is labelled as kind of, oh, it'll be all right. Mm. You know? And I feel in this country, we don't necessarily convey our emotions or talk to people about our issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we use other methods of masking it, whether it's alcohol or gambling or Mm-hmm. marijuana or whatever um and like i'd imagine you'd come across this quite a bit i mean mm-hmm. i come across it quite a bit yeah mm-hmm. and we also have a tall poppy syndrome mm-hmm. as well which i hate yeah we and just have to bring people down and it's yeah. like no, we need to be more encouraging yeah and so this for me is where we need to do our own inner work because yeah. that whole tall poppy syndrome, you and I could start, a, you know, a movement right now. Because you know, I can give you a compliment. I like your shirt. You're looking good in that. Yeah. Great. Let's take those compliments. Hey, you, great setup here. Awesome to see the podcast, the quality of the podcast coming out. Like we can start to do this and recognise people and acknowledge others, acknowledge ourselves. So, um, I'm quite comfortable letting people know something that I think I've done really well at. Yeah. In fact, I'll even go. I did really great at that or, you know, whatever it was, um, we can start to create the change we want to see. Mm. So if we sit on the sidelines going, really hate the tall poppy syndrome, it's like, well, we're feeding into it. Instead, go, don't even talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that is true. Don't even talk about it. Just go, hey, Trace, love that love that post you put up the other day. Awesome. Loved your, post, uh, your podcast, Reese. Hey, cool. Don't even focus on the tall poppy syndrome. Hmm. Focus on what you actually want. Be the change you want to see in the world. I think there's a well-known quote, and I forgot who said it, and it's someone famous. 
Um, <laughs> terrible. Uh, so, and you know, the conversations and not talking about our feelings. It's the conversations where the people we say mean the most to us yeah. that we ignore, that we avoid. So, yeah. like, if these people matter, front up, and even if you say, "I don't know what to say." So when I was diagnosed with cancer, it's really amazing how many just people just disappear because they don't know what to say. And you go, just tell me you don't know what to say. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's a different situation. We're not, it's, you know, not one that we plan for or you attend a class to go, right, so how do I handle this? Just be honest and say, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I remember because um, my mum got cancer and she passed away. Mm. And it was interesting seeing the response by people afterwards. And there were some responses that I got that I actually found annoying. But mm-hmm. they said, oh, I know what you're going through. But they'd never lost someone. I'm like, well, how can you know what I'm going mm. through? And then there'd be other people who, who would just be open about it and be like, look, I don't know what to say. Mm. You know? And, um, yeah, so I, it's, it's, I think it's a way of them because they're so uncomfortable. They don't know. They don't know how to deal with it themselves. That's it. Yeah. And we run away from it because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's what we do. And um, in fact, we've, we've got this sort of whole generation where parents have overcompensated and don't want their children to feel uncomfortable or pain. So they do so much for them. Yeah. And then they come out into the world and go, jeepers, this is a bit different. Where's mum and dad to make you know the situation okay and yeah. to protect me from that? It's just being like, too sheltered. Yeah. So it, it, being uncomfortable isn't a bad thing. You know, it's, I mean, there's pain. You don't want to be in a situation where there's pain. But, but you grow from it. You, you do. You yeah. do, absolutely. So, you know, f- having a conversation for one moment saying, hey, hey, dude, I, I don't know, I don't know what this must be like for you. And I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Like, mm. that's like less than 30 seconds. Yeah. You just need to say it. And then all of a sudden everyone goes, oh, great, that's, that's you know, out in the open. It's like the elephant in the room that keeps standing there for the sake of us just going, holy shit, I think I feel a bit scared or yeah. I'm a bit worried. It's like, well, just have the, just have it, the conversations. Just say the words. Um, you know, so sometimes, you know, if I'm working with someone who's in a really bad space and, um, you know, they're, they're shutting down, they're not talking, and I'll just go, right now I don't know what to say, but I'm going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here mm-hmm. because we think we have to fix everything. We think we have to have a solution. I do, yes. Yeah. I've heard that's a male trait. It, it can be. Yeah, it can be a male trait. Like male, like, well, I think this is something that I read. Yeah. Um, is that women, when they're, when they're um, you know, telling a man about their problem is they just want to be heard. They just want mm-hmm. to be listened to. And the man immediately is going into, i got to fix this. Yeah. How do I fix this? And, um, I mean, I know I do that. Like, if my partner tells me, you know, something that's gone down at work or mm-hmm. some other um, personal matter, and my mind immediately goes to, all right, I'm going to fix this problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And she's like, no, I don't want you to fix the problem. I just want you to <laughs> shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's such a gift. But it's, again, letting our mind know, hey, it's okay. She's mm. just telling me, and once she's done... I just need to be here. Maybe, maybe she likes a hug once she's shared, or maybe, yeah. maybe she likes a cup of tea. Maybe she just likes a, a bit of space, and um, maybe I could just ask a question. Would you like? Would you like me to do something? Is there something I can do? Yeah. 
So instead of feeling like we have to fix and solve, which again shuts people down from sharing. Mm. So we've got the most horrific rates of mental health and you know suicide, and you've got all these people saying, um, just ask if they're okay. And it's just like, yeah, we do that, but then we're immediately in there trying to solve the problem. We we, we just need to create some space and, mm. and listen first and go, I see you. Like, you know, I love that movie, The Avatar, where the, is it the Nadi, the, the blue people? Oh, the Navi, yes. The Navi. Yeah. And they, and they always greet each other with the, I see you. Yeah. 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 It's so beautiful because as humans, that's what we want. We want to be seen. Mm. We don't want to be told through actions or words that there's something wrong with us and we need someone else to fix us. We just want to be seen. Mm. See us. And then if there's something to be done, then let's move to that. But sometimes it's simply just going, gee, honey, that sounds like it was a rough day. What do you want to do now? Is, is, do you just want to sit sit for a while or should we go for a walk? Or, yeah. or just, you know, be guided by the person. Mm. But, yeah, creating space, not diving in to fix it. Because you'll have your moment. There'll be something that you'll need to get out your hammer or your tools or <laughs> something and, and fix. But. Yeah, that is. So when, um, when you... Um went through your uh cancer scare yeah how did you grow out of it mm, like because yeah. i'd imagine that um that experience would reshape you surely oh, absolutely yeah. yeah hugely hugely um well i guess firstly wearing my coach hat oh, yeah my god what an opportunity yeah because you know like all the things that i know and i've learned about i got to experience in a completely different way yeah so you know going through all the tests um you know, meditating, visualizing, you know, all those things that I've done before and teach others to do, I was now doing in a situation where um, it was a fairly significant cancer diagnosis and um, all of them are bad. If the doctors had been right, they expected I might have had four to six weeks to live. So, um, you wow. know, I pulled out all those tools. Yeah. And so my depth of awareness, my depth of presence just new levels new levels um, and as a person I think the most profound thing I realized was just how much more capable I was than I thought of and how much more supported I was than I thought mm. I was so I remember the the first day I went to chemo my first session I'd had my port put into, into my chest and I was going to be in chemo for I think it was about five and a half, six hours getting the drugs. And I remember getting to the double doors at the Waikato Hospital chemo st uh, day stay ward and standing there. And I just had this overwhelming sense of every ancestor, every person I knew who was alive, like everyone just being there going, we got you. Mm. I was like, I had never experienced anything like that before. It's just like, yep, I might be the one going in to do the treatment, because no one else can do it for me. Yeah. I'm going to have to show up. It's going to be me sitting in that seat. Yeah. But I just felt so loved and supported in that moment that I went, yeah, bring it on. Mm. Bring it on. And, you know, that was huge. You know, just rocked on up every fortnight to chemo. That was my job for the day. Had my support crew 
you know, um, I, I sat in the chemo ward uh, by myself. I wouldn't let friends or family stay because it's it's not a great place. Yeah. And I'd be asleep within minutes or la la from the drugs anyway. So <laughs> um, I remember going through the treatment and um, the health minister at the time was coming for a visit and I'd been asked if he could talk to me and I said, please make sure you come and check that I can actually speak coherently. Yeah. And I'm not dribbling or anything <laughs> before he arrives because it was you know, going to talk about healthcare and how the treatment was going and stuff. I said, dudes, because some of those drugs, it's like not pretty. So I learned, yeah, how supported I was and um, just how much more capable I was than I had realised. Mm. And it wasn't that I didn't think I was capable. Again, it's just a new level. I just mm. go, wow, you know, that's that's huge to like go through the journey. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Absolutely. Have you had any clients that have come through that, have been through a similar cancer scare? Yeah, so I have, I've worked with a few people and I've done a lot of speaking now with, um, so I had a blood cancer, I had lymphoma. I had a really attractive neck because it, it came up into my neck. Um, and um, so I've done a lot of speaking for uh, Leukemia Blood Cancer New Zealand. Yeah. And also with other organisations who, uh, Rare Disorders New Zealand, phenomenal. It's estimated 300,000 people in New Zealand have a rare disorder. And you, really? Yeah, it's huge. Now, so that's statistically. Now, the thing with rare disorders is you will often not be able to get a diagnosis. Yeah. You will you will see doctor after doctor after doctor, mm. and they'll go, don't know. And you might be, if you do get a diagnosis, there are people who the only person in the country with that diagnosis. That's like, crazy. It is. It just opened my eyes to what people are experiencing and going through with their illness journeys. So I have really treasured the speaking opportunities to help people go, how can I approach this? Because some of these people, their diagnoses, you know, they, they will die. Mm. Um, and, and others are living long-term with an illness. So actually helping them, you know, develop new skills and strategies is, is such a such a privilege. And I couldn't do that in the way I do it without having gone through my own journey. Yeah. Yeah, so... It was quite incredible. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, you know, everyone's got experiences, and I'm really respectful of that. Again, the danger is we hear someone's story and we go, oh, my God, they're amazing. And you go, yeah, but tell me about your life. Tell me about your story because we've all got things that we've been through and we've navigated as best we can. Mm. And I think the key is just learn and grow and go, gee, I did that. I got through that. I learned this about myself. And, yeah, just recognize and acknowledge yourself. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I might wrap up there. Okay. Thanks so much for coming through. Ah, oh, So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, mm -hmm. what's the best way of them doing uh, that? TracyHancock.com. Yep. That's yep. the best way? Yep, best way. Head to the website. And, and there's um, a contact form and everything. Yeah, contact form, links to things, social media links. Oops. Yeah, yeah. Um, all there. Yeah, that's where they'll find me. Cool. Cool. All Thanks right. for having me. That's all right. Awesome. This has been good. This is yeah. good. I can apply some of these techniques. Excellent. That's that's what I want to do. Yeah, so. yeah. And anybody can. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just oh. that willingness. Willingness to do it. You can make a change today. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody was to contact you, how yeah. long? how long does it take before... You can set up a meeting and... Oh, look, you know, if um, 
if they got in touch today, for example, I'd probably get back in touch with them tomorrow. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd, we'd move pretty quickly. Because I'd imagine you'd have a massive backlog. But... Well, we get through things, and because I um, offer online programs as well, because what, oh, what I'll find right. is some people are... You know that they're wanting to start to explore stuff, but yeah. they just want to like a, take a, a, a smaller step. So we go, yeah. hey, just jump online and check out the program there, and, and work through that, and then come back to me. And other people are like, man, I'm in crisis situation. What can you do? And yeah. I've structured my business so I don't do back to back appointments five days a week. I've structured it so if somebody comes to me, you know, I get a phone call, somebody says, look, I think you know I'm in pretty big trouble here. You know, something big's happening in my life, and I go, look, let's have a conversation now, and we'll pick up again tomorrow okay so i've structured it so i'm not saying to someone oh could you put that separation on hold for two weeks and then come back to me <laughs> or gee you what do you mean you got told you've made redundant today oh let's deal with that in three weeks it's like no no okay we can let's do that tomorrow and i want you to think about these things tonight that's cool that's a good way good yeah, way of doing it dealing, like, dealing with it as soon as possible yeah yeah it's, it's my preference cool cool thank all right you. that's all right um everybody make sure you uh yeah go on her website and check stuff out i'm sure you can learn something from it and i hope you've taken some stuff from this podcast uh, make sure you share like a subscribe subscribe and um yeah stay safe see you later